Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sauce in the City. Today is a dream come true because I am with the founder of The Strangers Project, which is something I've been following since 2011, Brandon Doman. Hello. Hi, thank you so much for being here today, and I'm so happy we finally, um, this finally came to fruition. So I'm going to start off by asking you to tell me about yourself. Where are you from? How old are you? And not to steal your own line, but what's your story? So uh, my name is Brandon. Um, I started The Strangers Project back in 2009 in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, which is where I grew up. Um, I have since been based in New York uh, since shortly after starting, but I did start in Michigan. Uh, When I started all of this, I thought it was just going to be a small little experiment. I didn't have any grand plan for it. I've always just been interested in people and their stories. And so one day I just set up a sign inviting people to sit and write something. thought it would just be a one-day thing, um, but almost immediately people started sharing stories. And it was the same kind of stuff you see in the project even today. Some of them were funny, some of them were very emotional, inspirational, tragic, and I just found it fascinating. So went out and did it again and again and again. And here we are almost 60,000 stories later. So you were just in Michigan and just what, what was like going through your mind? Have you always, did you study like psychology at all? Yeah. So I studied English and creative writing, um, switch majors a lot, but that's what I graduated with. And I had started this right after undergrad. So I just recently graduated. Okay. Um, and then you were at a coffee shop or where? Yep. I was in Ann Arbor, Michigan, just sitting on the sidewalk outside of a little coffee shop and just watching people pass by. And I hadn't even planned to do it an hour before. I just took a Sharpie and a notebook and I wrote a sign very similar to what I use now that said, hi there, I'm collecting your stories. Please stop and share. Propped it up on the table. Didn't know if anyone would do it or what they would write about. Uh, But almost immediately, these two women were walking by. And they saw my sign and they were like, oh, what are you doing? I said, I don't know yet, but would you like to write something about your life? And they were like, sure. And they sat and wrote. And then somebody else came up and he asked what we were doing. And then he wrote something. And I got like seven stories, which felt like a lot. <laughs> now um, you're yeah. like 9,000 or something. something. Um, That's crazy. And did you have anything like that in college? I had definitely experimented with similar ideas. I did something called After the Beat when I was an undergrad. And it was essentially a, I I think Google Voice is still a thing, but Google Voice was a new service at the time where you could just sign up for a phone number and it had like a voicemail that was online, just like Gmail. And so I just set up a phone number that went straight to voicemail. And I put up all these flyers around campus that essentially said, call this number, it's going to go straight to voicemail and just tell me anything you want to tell me. Um, And I got like a dozen people that did it. You know, I went to Central Michigan. It was a decent sized school, but you know, it's just a pretty local thing. Uh, but it was still really interesting stuff that people were sharing and it kind of not sparked because I already had, but it just continued this interest of just kind of participatory things of seeing what people are share when given the opportunity. To be anonymous. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. And, um, and it definitely has a correlation to with what you do now. Do you think people are more or were more hesitant to share over the phone because they knew it was going to like a person at their school as opposed to just writing a story to a stranger? Um, not necessarily. I think the the biggest hurdle with that and part of the reason I don't do as much with audio is, is I think audio is a really fantastic medium. I don't use it too much in the strangers project. People have asked me if I would do like 
call-in stories and things like that. I think it's a lot different to, it's a, it's a more performative thing to be able to tell your story on the spot if you're not used to doing that or not prepared to do that. Whereas yeah. when you're sitting and writing, you have time to reflect and slow down, and, you know, and add illustrations and things like that. Yeah. Like audio storytelling is a whole different skill set. And when did you bring the project to New York? Uh, so I, I think 2011. Um, so I worked for a nonprofit called Active Minds doing mental health work with college students. Um, oh, yeah. Shortly after starting the project, I connected with them. And so for a number of years, I sort of ran this program that they had all around the country uh, doing these national tours. And one of our stops was New York. And I fell in love with it. So at the end of the tour, I just switched my ticket from Michigan to New York. Oh, that's um, so that's cool. kind of how I got here. So were you always passionate about mental health? Definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you... Did that come before or after your interest in people, or were they kind of intertwined? I think intertwined. I yeah. I could pick one or the other to kind of a chicken in the egg thing. And what what were some of like the initial themes that you came to find in this beginning, like infancy of your project? Like, were there any um, sort of things you started to realize? Uh, really, just the same thing that I see every time I set up. You know, every time I set up, it's kind of the first day in in a sort of way of just it's about the space for somebody to stumble across something they probably didn't expect to see and then to have a chance to share something whether it's something deep or simple or funny or sad um I saw the same kind of stuff on the first day it's there's while it's while I think it's really cool that there's like 60,000 stories each individual story is just as important as any other like I could go out there and tell somebody I have five stories and they would still yeah. write the same kind of stuff. And what kind of themes are there? Like, are they mostly happy? Are they mostly reflective? Are they mostly sad? Like, what? That's you know? a really hard one to answer. Um, I get that a lot, and there's just no simple answer for it. It's truly mm-hmm. everything. And I try to, really early on, I knew I wanted to celebrate all the kinds of things people were sharing. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff, and not that this is a bad thing, it's just a choice I made for my project, but there's a lot of... Uh, content online that might let's say just share only like hyper positive things and mm-hmm. that's great in some ways but I think it also has a downside of yeah it's making like people feel like it misconstrues reality exactly like Instagram and how people post things that make them look like they have a perfect life yep so I tried to very early on show all sides of the things people are sharing and not just in like a happier sad sense but also just sometimes life is really simple and so yeah, some of them like are the just short and so many things i love those we're all at different points and like all of those can be celebrated in different ways and do you read every story i do um i'm always catching up because they come in very <laughs> yeah. quickly i just had my winter show and got well over a thousand stories in just over a week uh, so it takes a while to catch a up a lot of reading it is and I mean, I was thinking about this because I spoke with um, Matt Chavez of the uh, Subway Therapy, and I asked him uh, the same question where, like, I think of, like, if I put myself in your or his position and I read a story, I mean, it's, it's one thing to read a sticky note that's really, like, sad or, you know, emotional, but reading a full story, like, do you ever, how do you distance yourself from that? Or, like, how do you... I feel like I would take on all of that pain. How are you able to just like accept it? Yeah, it can certainly be hard. You know, people do 
sometimes and even often share really, really difficult parts of their lives. Um, and it is hard to read those things, especially knowing that I meet each person. Yeah. You know, I might get a very brief meeting, but I do, at least for a moment, hand them a sheet of paper. Um, and I think I'm able to deal with that because of just seeing the overall good that's come from the project over the years for so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many of these people that have written some of the hardest things have reached out to me afterwards and talked exactly. about it. Yeah. Exactly. Do, so people do like confide in you and reach out. Like what do they typically say? Like those t- situations when they write something down? Uh, so one of the first times it happened was really early in the project. So this was summer 2009 and I'd only just been collecting stories for a couple weeks at this point. And I didn't really have the emotional tool set that I've since built of sort of dealing with all of this. And I had seen some, again, a little bit of everything, some serious ones, some funny ones. Uh, but I went home one evening and, oh, and I should mention too, I don't read them when people hand them in right away just to maintain their anonymity. Yeah. So, if, you know, I want to make sure people know that they're not going to hand me a sheet of paper. I'm going like, to sit right away and look at them while I'm reading it. Um, so I read them, especially at that point, I go home and read them that evening. And I was reading through the stories, and I got halfway through, and one of them was just a suicide note. Not even, like, suicidal ideation, but saying she was on her way to end her life that evening. And it tore me apart. I didn't know what to do. Freaking out. I knew I'd been sitting across from her, like, five hours earlier. Didn't know specifically which person it was, but knew that she was sitting right there. No way to get in touch with her. I didn't even have a website or social media for the project at this point. So it's not even like I could reach out there. And uh, she thankfully sent me an email like three days later and she described the story uh, and she said, first of all, I want you to know I'm okay. And secondly, having somewhere to share that saved my life that night. So oh I can't say that that's the case all the time. And I have received similar stories or notes since then. Um, but just knowing that it potentially having that outlet can be really, really important for people. That's incredible. And it's, I, I can see it's, I mean, it's just so crazy to me how that story is is kind of like similar to what Matt told me with someone, you know, talking to him with after seeing his thing of like, how are you really and things like that. It's like just by providing that piece of paper, you like broke her like vision that was just, you know, probably clouded by so many other things, but mm-hmm. were able to just step in and provide her an outlet to express herself and, you know, rethink everything. And that's just, that's so incredible. And do you keep in touch with like any people for, you know, longer term, like that girl, for example? Definitely. Um, Besides me. It's up to them because it starts off anonymous, but over the years I've certainly had many, many people who um, both stay in touch just in the community of following along online and often comment and share and get in touch that way. And then some people that have become close friends and yeah, people definitely um, stay in touch. How do you, um, how do you choose like which stories you post on Instagram and display at your galleries? Like what, um, yeah, like what, I mean, I know you said you wanted to diversify the themes, but mm-hmm. in terms of like what you think will be particularly like resonate and um, have the resonating factor, like what is that for you? Uh, I really kind of exactly what I said before, just trying to accurately represent everything being shared. I wanted to make sure that every type of story um, is being represented. 
even down to, um, you know, I get a lot of people who either want to write a story, but then don't think they're able to for whatever reason, or they'll start writing and they'll crumple it up and throw it away. And one time, it was like a year ago or something, I just posted a blank sheet of paper on Instagram and I said that the story is dedicated to all those people who either weren't ready to share their story or can't for whatever reason. And it was like one of my most interactive with folks. Wow. So it's in that sense, I want to share every type of story, even the fact that sometimes we're not ready to share our stories. Um, so truly just everything. There's no, you know, they resonate with people for so many different reasons. Yeah. I certainly have ones that personally resonate with me, but that's not what I'm uh, curating through. It's more so if I, and especially after meeting so many people and reading so many stories, I think I have a decent eye now. Just if I think this will resonate with somebody for some reason, uh, then it gets shared. Yeah. I, literally jump for joy when well joy and also I ran about and started crying but my sister texted me when I was at work and said oh my god you're on the strangers project and having you know been following your project for so long and seeing the post which was about my friend and just such a crazy day for me was the most incredible thing and I think on top of that and seeing people who like wrote commented on the Instagram posts like thank you for sharing this or hearts it it was almost like I felt like I was connecting with those people and I obviously have no idea who they are and right that's just such an amazing thing that you can have that every you know that's your life is just connecting with people in this way do you have I mean obviously you can't think of a favorite or favorite story but do you have any you know ones you think of if I asked you like to call upon one, I guess. Um, thousands that stand out to me after <laughs> so many of these. Um, I don't, though, ever really highlight individual ones for two reasons. One, I really don't like paraphrasing them. Yeah, um, Just sure. because they're so perfectly in their own words. Um, and to kind of separate myself from that process of, you know, there's some people that are have been following for a long time and really, really like the project, and I don't want them to necessarily think that they have to share a certain kind of thing in order to quote unquote make it out of the strangers project. Yeah, that makes sense. Um what have you learned any like lessons from all of your story collecting? I mean I'm sure for example people probably you it's one of those things you learn something every day and when you have thousands of stories from just a gallery, like they probably share things, but in terms of like I don't know, do you think these stories have affected the way you live at all? Oh yeah. Um, every day for the past 10 years, you know, every, every chance we get to read somebody's story, it's like living a little bit of their life and getting a little bit of their life experience. And, um, I can't think of any specific examples just cause there's so many, you know, it's, you can't not read 50,000, you can't read 50,000 stories and not have it like affect how you think about the world. So what's like a typical day in your life? Uh, Nowadays, <laughs> I don't think there is one. They're all very different. Um, I run the project full time, um, so it's always different things, just depending on what's happening. You know, I just did the winter show, and so for that, I I run the project essentially by myself. So when I'm doing an exhibition like that, it's anywhere from two to four weeks straight of just going into whatever space I'm in for like fourteen or fifteen hours a day um, with the commute. So that's what that was. That's crazy. Um, when I'm not doing that, I'm 
reading stories, organizing stories, running the website and social media, reaching out to collaborators for future events, things like that. Oh, um, that's a lot of hats. Yeah. And then um, in the warmer months, going out to public spaces and doing the project at Washington Square Park and kind of the same thing as the gallery, just on a smaller scale, I'll go and set up at like 2 p.m. and then stand in the park for 10 hours and collect stories and share stories with people and then go home. I was kind of thinking about that just now. Like, do you, is it, are the stories that you get from Washington Square Park, which is, you know, more of like a very young, like a lot of students area. And then you have your last gallery release was in Hell's Kitchen. Like, do you find those collections to be very different? Not really. I mean, sure. I'll get more like NYU stories at mm-hmm. Washington Square Park, but you get a little bit of everything everywhere. Um, I've done, I've been lucky enough to do this project in over a hundred cities so far. And oh, wow. it's just like anywhere you go, people have stories and, and want to share them. Yeah. What do, so like, I'm just trying to visualize this for the people listening, but basically, for example, in Washington Square Park, you have that little, I don't even know what you'd call it, like hanging thing with mm-hmm. all of maybe like. 25 to 50 stories hung up mm-hmm. and lights on if it's dark and then you have a sense of what's your story so like what does the average person come up to you and say do they say what is this do they like what usually happens so i've tried to build this both out in the park and in my exhibitions or anywhere that i'm doing it i've tried to build it in a way that people can approach it in whatever fashion and capacity they want um, i want it to be a very open experience um, so some people will just come up and start reading stories because they're not used to seeing a bunch of papers hanging in the middle of a public space. Some people will come up directly to me and ask me, what is this? Uh, some people will just come up and say, oh, can I write a story? Um, so yeah, I try to build in a way that people could do whatever version of that they're comfortable with. Some people will come and read stories and leave and never talk to me at all. And that's totally fine. Um, I never wanted to be the kind of thing where I'm like, up on a soapbox being like, come share your story, come write this thing, or walking up to people and being like, hey, come do this, come participate. Uh, I just wanted to create a space where people could be curious, and if they choose to, they could approach it, and if they really want to, they could interact with it. Yeah, that's what I was, I was thinking. It's, it's really cool because it's a type of project that can either be a visual, like visual art, or interactive as well, like depending on, you know, it's just beautiful in its own way, and then if you want anything contribute, it's just it's so cool. I encourage <laughs> yeah, anyone yeah. listening to immediately go to Washington Square Park or um, well, in the warmer months. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to make sure I was just capturing all types of people. You know, I definitely get a lot of people who are probably more introverted and wouldn't come up and talk to a street artist about what they're doing. And I'll see those people sometimes. Like, it's actually become kind of a fun game for me. Mm-hmm. When I'm out collecting stories in the park, I can see people watching the project from a distance for like 30 minutes sometimes and just like trying to see if it's a, a safe thing to approach or if they're going to get tricked into doing something and then they'll finally come over after seeing so many dozens of people seemingly have a good experience yeah or like kind of like eyeing it from afar and yeah and like how it like blows in the wind and stuff it's really beautiful thank you i saw the um the other day or maybe it was like a couple weeks ago or months ago i don't you know times of work um, that someone used it as a means to propose. Mm-hmm. Do you mind describe that? What happened? Yeah, um, this has actually happened a few times. And oh, it's always wow. really, really special when it does. Um, 
this most recent time I was about to pack up um, and a guy came up and he asked me if I was leaving and I was like, oh, I'm starting to pack up, but I'm not in a garage. There's time to read. And he told me that um, he and his girlfriend come and read stories and they, it's like one of their favorite things to do in the park. And he was like, do you think if I wrote you something, I know he's like, I know this is a little different from what you normally do, but if I wrote you something, I think I'm going to propose to her. Could you put it up so she finds it? And I was like, yeah, sure. When do you want to do it? And he was like, right now. And I was like, oh. okay. Um, and so I stopped packing up. I had already like packed up my table and everything, but the story wall was still up. And he, I gave him a sheet of paper and he sat down and he wrote something right on the spot. And we put it up on the wall. And then she arrived shortly after and they just spent some time reading stories. And then she eventually came across the one he wrote. And about halfway through, she realized there was something that he had written. And then he proposed. Oh my gosh, did like everyone around just erupt and laugh and um, clapping? What was funny is I don't think anybody really noticed. Oh, really? Um, yeah, everyone was so kind of, it was getting late in the night. And so there was only a handful of people around and everyone was kind of really sucked into reading the stories. Um, that's so, oh, I would, I would say yes if someone did that. Yeah, it was, really, it was a really special moment. They were really, really great. And do you, aside from setting up in Washington Square Park and galleries, like, do you have any future visions for the Strangers Project? Like, where do you see it going from here? You have the book, which I have right on the table. Oh, <laughs> I don't even have one of those. Really? You have to get it. I mean, <laughs> it's like my favorite thing. Like, do you see yourself creating another book or... What's down the line for the Strangers Project? Um, I may or may not do another book. I'm certainly interested in it. It's not necessarily my favorite way to share the stories, just because when I when I have it out there, people always say, like, oh, it's just the best stories. And it's not. It's 200 out of almost 60,000. Yeah. It's just a way to show some of them. Um, but I think for a lot of people, they just have the idea that a book or something is the best of the best, and like the selected ones. And that's definitely not what it's about for me. Um, so I may do another one. Um, but really, there's no single end goal. It's just about creating these spaces for people. I want to go to more places. I want to interact with more people. Um, so kind of like a scope as opposed to like a different direction. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always open into, I do a lot of collaborations and I try to go into specific communities. I can go into schools and things like that. You know, I want to, I've almost had this happen a few times. Like I almost got to go into a prison once, and I, it ended up not working because of our taste. So but I want to do more stuff like that in hospitals and veteran centers and community centers and just all these other places. Um, yeah, because so you see how much joy can bring people. Absolutely. So when you visited other – did you visit any cities abroad? Buddy? Like So far, just in the States, but I'm hoping to take it everywhere. And how does New York compare to the other cities like – do you find there's, you know, like the, the more, is, are, the, are there themes that are specific to each city you visit? The only difference is the number of people walking by. Um, the yeah. stories that are hanging up in my shows and on Instagram and everywhere, they're from everywhere. It's just, they're all mixed into the same collection. I'm, but I mean, like, let's say, do you find like New Yorkers to be more intense and their stories are more lonely and their stories compared to like Californians? Nope. Um, and that's because everywhere people are from everywhere, you know, it's New Yorkers aren't just from New York or yeah. people writing stories in New York aren't just people that live in New York. Some of us have been here for 10 years. Some of us have been here for a weekend. And there's probably like tourists visiting, yeah. um, each city you visit. Yeah. That's cool. I really like that idea of visiting a place like a prison or 
a hospital because just as it, I mean, in a different way, like that girl releasing her pain through the paper is like, could be, could help so many people. It's like you're, you're secretly giving everyone the opportunity to have a journal. Yeah. That's a big part of it. Um, That's something I've tried to uh, highlight or make known, I guess, is like, I I do have the social media and the book and everything. And those are, I love having that and I love being able to share them, but that's not the goal of the project is to like get a story online. It's really cool when it happens and so many people get to see it and connect with it. And that's a wonderful part of the project. But when people share stuff, I don't want that to be the the reason they're sharing. It's like to hope that it gets online. I want everyone to have, my hope is that everyone that writes a story has an equal experience of they got to write down their story and spend time with a sheet of paper and then have it join all these other 50,000 people in this shared experience that also share their stories. I love um, that. Thank you. Your, your prompt is always, what's your story? Yep. The only guidelines I have are that it's something honest about your life that's anonymous and that fits in one page. Amazing. And I kind of touched on this earlier with the, you know, I mean, you're receiving, you're like the recipient of all of these stories, which is a lot of, for lack of a better word, like emotional baggage, whether it be happy or sad or angry or, you know, joyful emotions. Um, Has anyone, have you ever like shared your story? Like, What's your story? I've, I've participated in the project two or three times over the past 10 years, um, just anonymously mixed in. Um, but overall, my story is, it might be kind of corny, but this project, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years now, and I'm very invested in it, and just sort of trying to make this all work. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's so cool. Do you think, has anyone ever asked you about, I mean, I've <laughs> ever done about being on a podcast, but, or like, you know, tried to like make a film of it or anything. It's just such an interesting, like, it's such an interesting project. Yeah, I've definitely done a lot of um, little video things and audio things and all that. I'm just always interested in different ways to sort of capturing the, the larger story of the project. Yeah, I really like how you record the, like you record the, what it looks like at Washington Square Park so that you see like the, the, stories flowing in the wind and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just so pretty. So I usually end by asking a couple of questions that I, I think they're interesting to hear people's responses because there are a lot of, I don't know, it's whatever hot in the podcast. Sure. <laughs> okay. So the first question is what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? Hmm. I guess this might be an abstract answer, but trying to turn this small little experiment into uh, essentially my career um, has been definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. This was not something I do this full time now, but it's not something that was built as a business. Yeah. So trying to turn a small little passion project experiment that I can't imagine not doing, but then trying to, live a life as an adult running this as a job um and that's still an ongoing process but that's definitely the hardest thing i've ever done and it's definitely made me stronger throughout it and it's a never-ending process but and you love doing it yeah sorry it's funny you referred to it as a passion project because like that's what i call my podcast and Mm -hmm. that's my sister coined it and i love that phrase because it is that's what it is and so when you started this is a little bit of a side note you did you were working in new york like 
Um, no, so I was in uh, Michigan at the time when I first started. And oh, right. You were yeah. working for Optimize. Yep. That's and I also did like web design and stuff like that. So that was my day job. Um, but I slowly did the Strangers Project more and more and more as it came more momentum until I think 2015 is when I started doing the project full time. So that helps with like the media because it is like, um, you know, art and artistic display. So mm-hmm. with translating that over to like Facebook and Instagram, Definitely. doesn't hurt to have the graphic design in your back pocket. Okay, my second question is, do you believe everything happens for a reason? Um, no. Why? Usually people like either say like somewhat or like, why are you so adamant on no? Um, I guess I don't have a longer answer. <laughs> I, I just think things are and things will happen. And I don't know if I see a larger design or structure to it. Um, I think it's all sort of what we make of things and what we make of what happens. And every single day and every single moment, you have a chance to sort of shift whatever path you're on for better or worse. And I love that. It's like, yeah, it, it's like taking each thing that happens to you um, and making it a lesson yeah. and using it to guide you forward. If a crystal ball could tell you anything about yourself, your life, your past, your future, or anything else, what would you most want to know? Hmm. I think nothing, and that kind of relates to the, the last answer of, I think, definitely nothing from the future because that would be too predeterministic and take away too much agency in our own life, and the past already happened. Um, I guess nothing. I think yeah. I'd rather just live in the moment. Yeah, I agree with that. It's, it, I wouldn't want to know anything because you guide your life to that. Kind of how like you leave your your questions so open ended, so that people can turn it into what they want. Yeah, I mean, one of the coolest things I see um, in so many of the stories that people write is they'll start writing not knowing what they're going to share, but then they find their story halfway through the piece of paper. You know that so many stories start off with something like, "Hey, I'm writing, and I'm not really sure what I'm going to write about, but I thought I should do it," and then. By the end of it, they're like in the zone and shared this beautiful, amazing story that they wouldn't have realized if they thought that they had to have it ready when they started, but they made the choice to start and then they found it from that choice. Oh, I love that. It's like such a good metaphor. And I remember there's one that just like has a whole, it's like seven eighths of the page is like scribbled out. Mm-hmm. And then I forget what it says at the bottom, but that one was really cool. Yeah, at the end, so she wrote an entire story, like a long, full, full page, and then she very meticulously scribbled out every single word. And then at the bottom, she wrote, um, I'm sorry, the story is mine. Here's some money for your pen. And she turned it into like a $5 bill and took my pen. But, <laughs> um, I love it, too. I think that's another example, too, of I shared that one, and I, you know, there's no story there, but there is a larger story of just that Yeah, like experience. an experience. Mm-hmm. And... Someone, one thing, sorry, I keep thinking of all these like stories that have stuck out to yeah. me, just like that they're so interesting. There's so many that I've read that are just so poetic. And I'm always thinking to myself, like, how did that person just off the spot, like, come up with that? Yeah. Do you ever talk to those people or like, are I'm just so curious, are they poets? Are they artists? Or like, how do they think of that? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, it amazes me too. Um, I think it's different for each of them. Um, 
But what's so interesting is that one of the most common things when I invite people to write is they will say something like, oh, I'm not that interesting, or mine wouldn't be as good as the rest of these, or nobody wants to hear what I have to say. Those beautiful stories are from those same people. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people have just sort of learned this, learned to discredit their own story for whatever reason. Um, but then it's these same stories that go on to resonate with so many people. It's kind of like how we, I don't know, in a way, like we talk negatively to ourselves and we tend to like be our own biggest critics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you see that, you know, that person who is like, Oh, I don't want to share anything. I'm not interested in create something beautiful. Yeah. I think that's why so many of these resonate with so many people is because they're just sort of raw and authentic and that's a big, so I don't have any online submissions and you can't mail in a story and you can't even drop it off. They all have to be done in the moment. And that's a big reason for that is that yeah. it's all sort of when you're spontaneous and doing it in the moment, there is sort of an authenticity that comes through with each one. I didn't want people like trying to spend weeks or months like crafting the perfect thing to submit. Um, yeah. Cause I think they would edit out some of the more beautiful parts of. Which it comes naturally. Mm-hmm. Okay. My fourth question is, do you have a quote or a mantra you live by? I, or a favorite quote? I don't. I don't yeah. like a favorite quote or like. I think I used to like years ago. Um, I, favorite book um, besides these stories? <laughs> gosh, I'm ashamed to say that I don't read. Even, I was an English major and it's. That's very read, fair. You're reading 60,000 yeah. pages. Most of stories. my reading right now is Strangers Project stories. I should start picking up other books again. It's been a couple of years. Do you have a story that. Is your mantra, like, one that you read? I don't know if there was just, like, one line. Um, you have some, like, just say one thing. Gosh, I know it's not a great answer, but no. Um, <laughs> I mean, I do have I do have a handful of stories that really, really resonate with me, um, but none of them are as simple as a quote. Do you think that's because, like, you had experiences that were similar? Like, what made them resonate with you? No, um, I think it's more... Some of the ones that most resonate with me personally are ones where I could just see somebody, I don't even know how to articulate this, but somebody who shared something just deeply, deeply honest that they needed to share in that moment. Um, and some of those are really short, simple things, and some of them are really complex. But I don't know, just seeing the ones where somebody just really needed that sheet of paper that day. Yeah, that's so amazing. Like that one person you talked about. My fifth question is, what do you love most about yourself? Hmm. You can't tell you, like, no or nothing. Here. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, I guess the fact that I've somehow been able to make this work um, for 10 years now, and, or 11, I guess, it's moving into your 11. Um, so I guess the my persistence in not giving up on this when there's certainly times that I could have or should have. Yeah, I mean... You're very humble for someone who just who's created something like so amazing. Thank you. When's your birthday? March 10th. That Aquarius? Pisces. Pisces. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess that makes sense. You're like dreamy. I try to follow astrology. I'm not very good at it. Okay. My final question is which is the name of the podcast? How do you find solace in the city? Uh, I think my favorite way is through this project. Um, you know, in the winter, I don't get to go out and collect stories as much when I don't have like an exhibition going on. And that's definitely some of my hardest times in the city. Like I have to just do the other parts of the project that I don't love, the, the quote unquote business side of it. And I 
definitely get really bummed in the winter when I'm not able to go out and collect stories and I'm just, you know, every, every time I get a chance to go out there, it's like all this energy for the project and all these people. Yeah. Um, and so if I don't do it for like a few weeks in a row, I definitely can get super, super bummed. Would you ever, would you, are you like, would you ever consider relocating somewhere warmer? Um, as like a full time, I guess, um, headquarters. Yeah, potentially. Um, but more so, I just want to eventually have some kind of permanent space for the project. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhere that just always has rotating stories, essentially just like the, the exhibition that you saw. Um, and I want to continue traveling with it and doing it. Um, but yeah, just some way that I could keep doing it more consistently. Yeah, well, it definitely brings not only you us, but also everyone who comes upon it. So um and like before, before I like thank you again, I just wanted to share with my listeners what I told you in the beginning that um, like my own, I guess my own story of how I found the Strangers Project is, and its connection to this podcast was that like a year ago, um, I guess it was January 2018, I was like having a really, really tough time in the city. I'd been here maybe six months, but I was kind of coming to this realization that it, the New York city wasn't everything that I had dreamt it to be. My, I thought I would come here after graduation and be hanging out with my friends from all paths of life, like all going together. And it's, and because I, so many of my friends from high school, college, middle school, my other high school were all in one place for the first time in my life. And I thought, you know, so many people like this is going to be the best thing ever. And then I had a, really shitty living situation. Like my roommate left me and I was so sad. And I was like, how there's so many people on this Island that I know and somebody that I want to know, like, how am I so lonely? And then I went to your exhibit and there was this picture on the wall and it was an illustration with a bunch of little faces, like all over the paper. And then in the center, it just says, I've never felt more lonely than when I moved to New York. And I remember just being like, holy shit, like, who is this person? Where are they? Like, how can I reach out to them? How can I say, like, same? And there was just so many other stories like that that were just talking about being really lonely. And then when I started creating this podcast, I knew I wanted to do, like, mental health, but also talking to people. I was, like, thinking back to that moment where I saw that and connected with that person who was a stranger and was like, I too feel so lonely in a place where there are so many people. Like, why is this? And that's, you know, why I started just this project or this podcast is because I wanted to explore and I wanted to find out from other people. And so I just can't thank you enough for really being the inspiration behind this and, and for being me. This is so cool. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Of course. You know, what's amazing too, is that story that you described with all the faces and all that. That's probably by far one of the most photographed stories whenever I hang it up. And really? I think there's just something so beautiful about that of um, so many people connecting so many people, to it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, similarly, I don't know if you've seen this one hanging up. I, I show it often, but there's a very short one that just says, it's just got the date and, the, and a specific time. It says like whatever the date and then 1:47 PM. Is there any space in the world for me? Oh, I, yeah. I definitely seen um, that one. And that's another one that so many people take a picture of that. And I think it's, both sad and then beautiful, just how how that resonates with so many people. And clearly, yes, there is. Like, yeah, 
Wow, that's amazing. So how can my listeners follow, who don't already follow you, how can they follow you, support you? When's your next project? How can they <laughs> reach out to you? Like, plug everything. Uh, most active on Instagram, strangers, P-R-O-J. Um, I'm also on Facebook and the website, strangersproject.com. And if you're in New York, I do a lot of pop-ups all around the city. You can find out where I'm doing those on Instagram and my website. And I'm trying to go everywhere. So if you're not in New York, hopefully I'll be where you are. And they can just message you and say, ask if you're going to be in Washington Square Park, which I've done. Yep. <laughs> I try to get to everything. I can't always. I get a lot of DMs. Um, so sometimes I miss them. Um, but I do try to post when I'm going out. Amazing. Well, thank you so, 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 so much for being here. And um, yeah, I hope everyone else enjoys this as much as I did, which I will. But bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>